It's a Monday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In the show today, Taylor Charlstrom has a report talking about the importance in quantifying metrics around pollination for hive health and efficiency. And I have a look at regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. Riverside County's agricultural sector receded last year, declining 1% in value, though some commodities remain robust, according to a report furnished by the Board of Supervisors recently. In a 5-0 to zero vote without comment, the Board received and filed Agricultural Commissioner Ruben Arroyo's 2021 Agricultural Production Report, the highlight of which was the $12.32 million slide in aggregate crop values. The agricultural base countywide was valued at $1.40 billion last year, compared to $1.42 billion in 2020, which boasted the greatest commodity values of the last five years. Using historical economic values, a total agricultural contribution to Riverside County's economy is approximately $3.9 billion, according to Arroyal. He pointed out tree and vine crops, vegetable crops, and field and seed stocks declined year to year. The best performer in percentage terms was nursery stock, which includes Christmas trees, ornamental shrubs, cut flowers, and plants. The countywide value of nursery stock increased 8 percent and total production amounted to 267.54 million dollars according to the report despite their decline in value vegetables continue to remain the dominant crop netting 324.89 million dollars in 2021 as opposed to 334.43 million dollars in 2020 broccoli lettuce artichokes and corn held the highest values though riverside county particularly the western half has had its roots in citrus production the total value for citrus in 2021 was only $127.47 million, ranking behind trees, vines, milk, and livestock and poultry. The 2020 value of citrus crops was at $126.56 million, according to the report. Total land set aside for citrus cultivation last year was roughly 19,400 acres. Among the leading citrus products were lemons, mandarins, and ruby grapefruit. The smallest crop countywide was aquaculture, valued at $4.87 million in 2021, compared to $4.59 million a year before. The California Department of Food and Agriculture Office of Farm to Fork welcomes Sarah Burnell to lead the new Urban Agriculture Grant Program. Sarah's experience within all aspects of urban agriculture, from production and marketing to working with beginning farmers and community engagement, makes her the perfect fit to establish a new program, according to CDFA F2F Supervisor Elijah Fong. 
CDFA's Urban Agriculture Grant Program will help urban farmers and community-based organizations by funding urban food system infrastructure, supporting professional development opportunities, including ensuring youth from all backgrounds have access to paid positions, and funding technical assistance providers to offer mentorship, training, and support. Burnell's job duties include developing the $12 million program, conducting listening sessions with the public, touring urban farms, providing bilingual Spanish technical assistance, and developing resources that make federal and state resources more accessible to California's urban farming community. Fresno County has been bumped from the number one spot of the top agricultural producers in the United States. Officials with the County of Fresno announced that the county has been named as the third top agricultural producer in the nation for 2021. The county had been ranked as the number one agricultural producer in 2020. Kern County managed to edge out Fresno County for the number one spot in 2021, followed by Tulare County in second place. Despite being third place, agricultural production in Fresno County had a record-breaking gross value of over $8 million in 2021, up 1.47% from 2020. Almonds were named Fresno County's top crop for the ninth year in a row, valued at over $1 million. Grapes were the county's second top crop with a gross value of just over $1 million. Crops grown in Fresno County were exported to 96 countries around the globe. A company called Appeal, based in California, has announced its plans to introduce new solutions to instantly and non-destructively determine the ripeness of avocados. The expansion of their technology offerings will increase access to insights to create a smarter supply chain, maximizing the lifespan, quality, and sustainability of fresh produce, according to CEO James Rogers. He said the efforts include deploying an improved AI data model for imaging hardware in produce sorters at packing houses and distribution centers. Developed in collaboration with MAF Industries, these devices scan avocados and instantly group them into categories according to ripeness and dry matter. Also launching a produce quality scanner for distributors and grocery retailers that can be used to evaluate the ripeness and dry matter of individual avocados. These devices are more than five times faster than existing methods, do not damage fruit like current methods, and insights are automatically captured in a cloud database. Unveiling an avocado ripeness scanner for consumers could allow shoppers to know the exact ripeness window of produce like avocados before purchasing. The Appeal Ripe Finder features a consumer-friendly user interface and reveals to consumers when the avocados will be ripe. Prior to this, avocado ripeness was commonly tested using a pentrometer, which is a device that uses a needle to punch a hole in the fruit and measure the tenderness of samples. Dry matter, a proxy measure of oil content, is an industry standard quality indicator and is determined by laborious and wasteful processes that typically involve microwaving samples. The imaging system will work by shining light into the avocado where it will penetrate several millimeters below the skin. A sensor measures how much light is reflected in the visible and near-infrared spectrum. Machine learning models are then tasked with converting this measured light spectrum into an accurate prediction of the avocado's firmness and dry matter. The measurements can inform how long before the fruit is ready for consumption. This technology is currently only available for avocados, but Appeal is working on models for other produce including limes, mangoes, and mandarins. 
In the past, San Diego County used to be home to nearly 25,000 acres of avocado trees. Today, there are only about 14,000. This large drop is mainly due to rising costs associated with avocado production, namely the cost of water. In September, avocado growers gathered at the San Diego County Farm Bureau offices for an avocado irrigation workshop facilitated by Ali Montazar, University of California Cooperative Extension Irrigation and Water Management Advisor for Imperial Riverside in San Diego County. According to one workshop attendee who has been growing avocados for 15 years, irrigation represents over half of his annual production costs. Meeting the needs of his trees is a constant challenge. He is hopeful that Montazar's research will help avocado growers accurately determine the evapotranspiration in avocado groves or water use specific to avocados, critical parts of how growers select tools to determine irrigation run times. San Diego's avocado production is primarily managed by small farms, and according to Montazar, this adds a level of complexity to water management because there is greater emphasis on irrigation tools and strategies being user-friendly and cost-efficient. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit phycoterra.com learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with phycoterra. Pollination is one of the most important inputs for an almond grower each year, and also one of the most costly. But while the rest of the industry has developed as ag tech has taken over, pollination remains the last input to stay in its traditional ways. Given its yearly cost and how much of a gamble it can be for some growers, why is this the case? Bee Heroes Itai Drawer explains. Kind of um, involves the both both of the sides, both beekeeping and grow beekeepers and growers. Um, in a way, in order to effectively monitor the pollination, you have to be very good at beehives and, and be very accurate and have a lot of beehive data. But that doesn't reflect to any other uh, input that happens on the almonds field. So it's kind of like two different uh, um, segments of, of, of this industry, which only meet once a year during pollination season. And, uh, and I think the fact that we have the tools to both monitor beehives and a vast, major- a vast amount of data on the, the beehives, uh, as well as uh, information and data about how the pollination actually takes place, I think that's why um, we're doing a better job at, at modernizing, as you called it, monitoring, measuring, precising this process. Behero is one company looking to bring pollination to the same level of technology advancement that is being seen with other inputs like pest management, fertilization, and harvest, among others. They take two key metrics, hive health and pollination contribution, into consideration. During pollination season, you can look at the hive as some kind of an asset that drives uh, um, yield for um, for the trees or for the almond grower, and the the contribution of this is we have done multiple research and found out that the hive strength has a direct connection to how um, hungry the bees, if you will, um, to go and forage 
and 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 search for um, pollen and nectar, and the byproduct of it, as we know, is pollination. So, the bigger the hive is, the the more hungry they are, the the more they would go out to the field, bring pollen and nectar back home, and statistically, um, incre- this increases the chance of more flowers being pollinated, and eventually, it's it's all a statistics game. Eventually, you only have a certain amount of flowers, and you want Ideally, every flower to be visited by a bee who just been in another flower that is from a different variety. And so it's kind of a complicated uh, statistics game and you want to be in the best position for that. And the best position for that, um, as we have shown in research, is to have great, strong, uh, hungry hives. There is a gamble surrounding traditional methods of assessing hive health. And in many instances, these methods can lead to decreased hive health or a full collapse of a colony. You would just order boxes to your field, put uh, traditionally two boxes per acre, um, and the hive could be strong, but it could not be strong. And the 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 minute you would know that is by uh, is when you physically inspect the hive, physically inspect the hive, which happens sometimes around after bloom starts. And at that point, um, the stakes are high. You're already in a very high risk, and it's it could be too late to um, fix it. So. As I mentioned before, as I explained before, strong hives are, are basically the asset that yields um, what everyone wants. And we know in advance how strong the hive is. So by monitoring the hives and um, committing to a specific number of frames, we can bring exactly what um, your field needs and what the, gro- what the grower wants, basically. Uh, and the, the secret of it is the sensor being there 365 days a year. And we know exactly um, what we bring to the field. We don't have to wait after bloom starts. don't have to wait for physical inspection. We have that um, uh, understanding and that monitoring year round. And basically that's, I think, the the biggest factor here that is like that. That's the biggest revolution that we bring, in my opinion. Drawer had this to say to any almond growers on the fence of adopting a technological approach to managing their pollination. The way we use data to leverage any other activity or most other activities we do in life, there's no reason for us not to treat our uh, business the same way. And basically, eventually, the bees or the almonds are their business, uh, respectively. And I think there's so much we can leverage by using data uh, in the almond field or in farming. Generally, it's already um, very apparent that everything happens with technology, right? So. We're talking about irrigation. If we're talking about spraying, if we're talking about fertilization, it all—it's all supported by technology. We're not um, um, inventing anything uh, in the terms of technology brings a, a progression and an efficiency to the field. And and as you as you asked before, the the pollination remained like the last segment that is yet to be modernized. So so why not take everything we believe in from other segments and bring it uh, to this last segment. And for beekeepers specifically, not everything is technology uh, backed yet, but we do see more and more beekeepers trying to leverage technology around like uh, multiple uh, aspects of their business. And if you could have an understanding of how your beehive look uh, or your beehives look every second of the day, every day of the year, so why not do that? I mean, one of the most expensive uh, uh, things for a beekeeper to do is to have uh, employees to drive and inspect the hives. We can bring it to you 
to the palm of your hand, as they say. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. And turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales, at 559 467 9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced it is establishing cooperative agreements in six regions across the United States for the Organic Transition Initiative Transition to Organic Partnership Program. Organizations participating in a partnership network will work together to establish and administer a farmer-to-farmer mentorship program, providing direct farmer training, education, and outreach activities. These activities will help transitioning and recently transitioned producers who face technical, cultural, and market shifts during a transition period and the first few years of organic certification. The Organic Transition Initiative was launched in August of 2022 as part of USA's food system transformation effort to support local and regional food systems, expand access to markets to more producers, and increase the affordable food supply for more Americans while promoting climate-smart agriculture and ensuring equity for all producers. OTI provides comprehensive support for farmers transitioning to organic production and will deliver wraparound technical assistance, including farmer-to-farmer mentoring, provide direct support through conservation, financial assistance, and additional crop insurance assistance, and support market development projects in targeted areas. The top partnership network covers six regions, the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, Plains, Northwest, and West and Southwest. Organizations in these regions are actively forming partnerships to serve transitioning and existing organic farmers. Partnerships will provide mentoring services, technical assistance, community building, and organic workforce development. The Transition to Organic Partnership Program now includes information about TOP, a map with the organizations established in the partnership network, and a form that interested farmer mentors, mentees, and other farm service organizations can use to express their interest in this initiative. USDA is also announcing an upcoming listening session on November 15th, which will gather stakeholder input about another OTI 
program, the Organic Pinpointed Market Development Program. The event will seek feedback about the pinpointed market development investments needed to expand the organic agricultural supply chain. The share of acreage for major cash crops, including cotton, that are planted using conservation tillage has increased over the past two decades in the United States. USA's Economic Research Service reported the data recently. Conservation tillage is being done on 43% of cotton fields in the U.S. Conservation tillage, which includes no-till and mulch-till, reduces soil disturbance and preserves more crop residue relative to conventional tillage in which a plow or other implement turns over most of the soil before planting. Additionally, mulch till has trended upward on cotton in the past two decades. The National Milk Producers Federation has unanimously endorsed a proposal to modernize the federal milk marketing order milk pricing system. The plan includes returns to the higher of class one mover, discontinuing including barrel cheese and a protein component of price formula. It extends the current 30-day reporting limit to 45 days on forward price sales of non-fat dry milk and dry whey to capture more export sales in the USDA product price reporting. Additionally, the plan updates milk component factors for protein, other solid solids and non-fat solids in a class three and class four skim milk price formulas. The plan develops a process to ensure make allowances are reviewed more frequently through legislation directing USDA to conduct mandatory plant cost studies every two years and updates dairy product manufacturing allowances contained in the USDA milk price formulas. Any final proposal will be reviewed by the organization before it's submitted to USDA to be considered for a federal order hearing. USA has raised its projection for 2022 food price inflation. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford has the story. USDA's revised forecast for grocery store food price inflations out this week, and it's up this week, too. Economist Matt McLaughlin's added another half a percent to last month's forecast. And now uh, food at home prices are forecasted to increase by 11 to 12 percent. Seems like food price inflation is slowing down a bit, but what we've got is... A slower than expected slowing of price increases. Uh, Prices still growing up slowly, but not as slowly as expected. It's like riding a roller coaster, that slow climb as you near the top. So as Matt says... We're still going up the hill, but it's uh, starting to flatten out. So we do have... Uh, slower month-to-month price increases than we've had for the past few months. But in historical terms, they're still relatively high. So, so Matt, what we've got here then is a what? A a Slow, slow down in food prices. (laughs) That's right. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. American Farmland Trust will accept applications beginning tomorrow to help farmers nationwide improve farm viability, access, transfer, or permanently protect farmland or adopt regenerative agricultural practices. The last day to submit the applications is November 14th. AFT's Brighter Future Fund provides grants of up to $5,000 per project. A project may involve one or more individual farmers or farm families and projects will be awarded on a one-per-farm basis. In 2022, the fund will uplift, support, and amplify historical historically underserved farmers. AFT Vice President of Programs David Haight says that the Brighter Future Fund makes small investments that have big impacts with participating farmers, particularly those who face barriers in accessing other types of support. The Brighter Future Fund was launched in 2020 to help farmers launch, grow, and sustain farms in the face of forces impacting the food and agricultural system. Farmers should submit a completed electronic Brighter Future Fund application to AFT at Farmland org to apply. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? 
Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. The usage purposes of phosphates versus phosphites have been a long debated topic in the ag nutrient industry and today we're finding the uses of these are changing. Agronomist J.W. Lemons with Verdesian Life Sciences said it's still the one topic he finds himself discussing with clients the most, particularly the differences between the two and when to use one or the other. The big difference is the phosphide is not used as a phosphorus source for plants, as a pea source for plants. Um, the phosphates can be and are uh, used uh, as typically like a foliar source for pea for plants. So one is for nutrient and one typically can be used in the nutrition, but it, it is as a carrier or an, a way to get uh, nutrients into a plant. So it's more of a more of a biostimulant that, that will pick up a um, micronutrient and carry it in readily because it's a smaller molecule. The phosphate molecule uh, is much larger, uh, very hard to get into the plant. Uh, the phosphite molecule, much smaller, and will actually carry stuff in. If you're looking for a foliar pea uh, source for your NPK, and you want to get a foliar in, and even sometimes by soil, uh, that would be your, your phosphate formulation. If you're looking for a fungicide um, capability, then you're looking for your phosphite. Phosphite is uh, well known. It can be a fungicide. It can be part of your uh, integrated pest management program. Phosphate's not. They're not part of that program. In the field, Lemon said he often finds himself recommending phosphite products for their ability to control disease in a variety of crops. A great control. Phosphites are a great control of a number of diseases um, and, and, and things that will attack our plants. Uh, mildew, phytophthora, um, you know, these are just a, a couple of the dozens of ways to protect the plant, enhance the plant so that it, it can combat the diseases on its own. Phosphates fall in. Typically, like I said, that's just part of a NPK program. From my experience, that's pretty much what I've always used it for, to actually get phosphorus into the plant in an alternative method other than through the soil and the, and the normal NPK soil applications that we make. For disease, Lemons considers these phosphites another useful tool in the toolbox, 
as part of a wider integrated pest management program, they shouldn't be used on their own to combat any sort of disease. You go in there and, and have some fungicidal uh, resistances built up. Um, there are over 200 crop pathogen combinations out there, and there's very limited things that we can do on those. Uh, there's some, some old rules and new rules that are always in regulation they're always kind of picking on us and pushing on us but I guess I guess uh, I guess what I would uh, say is the um, the phosphites themselves if used correctly can help a plant combat and resist a number of different kinds of diseases and pressures that it might have um, and and too numerous to, to even begin to mention. It's just, it's just a. I think it's good enough to know that it's commonly used. Phosphites have been commonly used. But the downfall, or the, I should say, the negative part is that when phosphites came out, they were so effective and so, so with so many uses, that people overused them. They tried to correct everything. They mm. thought that they could, they could correct the. The, the sky and the moon with it, and and they couldn't. But when they started learning how to use them as one of the tools, then they learned that they're more soluble in phosphates, so they can go into the the leaf and the root more efficiently. The phosphate um, can be supplied through through the soil and the foliage, just like phosphates. But you get all of these fungicidal effects and benefits. And our foliar is obviously the best way for the phosphite because it's designed to work that way, it being a PO3. And like I said, that's, that's a smaller molecule than a PO4, which is the phosphate. Um, they're reactive molecules. Um, they, can, they can be really, really beneficial. And they can be really, really, in my, term, in my uh, opinion, dangerous to use if you don't know how to use them and what, what you're doing with them. Because they are an aggressive molecule and they do react to other um, elements, especially metals, to create an uh, insoluble salt or precipitate. So when you're using phosphites, you have to be extra, extra careful that it is a, a very stabilized PO3. That means it can be mixed in the tank without the risk of tying up to the metals that might it might get exposed in or to. Um, oftentimes, a lot of our pesticides and herbicides and everything has metals in it. It's just a natural component of it. So if you're tank mixing to get that extra benefit of a phosphite, and you want you're trying to get a micronutrient in there at the same time. You could tie it up and literally turn that that mix into cottage cheese. You know, it'll solidify and settle out and do up down in the bottom, um, and that gives you several dangers. First danger, of course, is just simply it might plug up your spray nozzles or your emitters in the drip system. The second danger is you don't know what you're applying after you after you've placed a phosphide in the tank if that phosphide is not stabilized because when it 
when I talk about precips and it turning into cottage cheese, that is that is a chemical bond taking place. That is one chemistry and another chemistry making a third chemistry. Phosphide tied to copper, and you have a copper phosphide, and the copper phosphide won't help your plant, and it, it's not in a form that will actually go into the plant. So you just lost the efficacy of both the products, and they can be fairly expensive if you put in that tank mix. So you're not getting any benefit of the copper, you're not getting any benefit of the phosphide. And that goes with other metals as well, whether it's magnesium or um, zinc or anything like that. So you have to be really careful with what you're mixing. Lemons cautioned any listeners that may work with either phosphates or phosphites to always ask questions if something isn't immediately apparent or known about the product. There's a lot of good information out there. Ask your PCAs and CCAs. They're typically going to know the best choice for you. What is tank mixable? What is safe? And you don't want to start spending money on, on expensive copper and iron, manganese, zinc, boron, and have it be useless to your plant. That's just in today's day and age, putting stuff on that's ineffective, that's very, very poor uh, financial management for you. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.